What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Art and Jacob Pixon Experience. <laughs> I guess that's the name of the podcast now. Uh, last podcast got a little uh, deep, talking about Trump, and uh, I don't know about y'all, but I felt a little depressed after that. So, go ahead and crack open. Oh yeah, go ahead and crack open one of those beers, buddy. This, this one's for Stone Cold. Yeah, wow. good old Stone Cold Steve Austin. By the dude, by the way, it's the 25th anniversary of. Uh, that that promo, that three sixteen promo, by the way. So, oh, I don't know, um, I don't know what you're referring to. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> this podcast is gonna be a lot more lighthearted. Um, it's gonna be part one of two podcasts uh, where we're gonna break down uh, our love of music. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is gonna concentrate on you know on our beginnings, uh, and it, which is basically hip hop. You know, hip-hop. from the beginning uh, when we first started to realize life, which was for me in ninety in nineteen eighty eight and um, to the present and then uh, part two we're going to talk about uh, rock music when we discover that because I think we both um, <clears throat> we had it was a consensus that we used to hate rock music yeah at one point which is ironic because uh, we're both big metal heads now so yeah but um, yeah so uh, well, I guess we'll uh, go ahead and start that show alright let's do it I feel like this is the kind of music you can kill someone to, like, <laughs> like slowly, like yeah. a, I feel a, like, you, like you're a dissolving sneak- bathtub in fucking Hell's Kitchen or some shit. I feel like that's the kind of music like I'm sneaking up on someone and I'm about to like stab him to death and I'll, and I'll yell something like Brooklyn what? <laughs> Even though you've never yeah. been to New York. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? This is gonna be uh, uh, part one of two about the musical journey of Art Trejo and Jacob Pixton. Uh, this podcast, we're going to concentrate on hip-hop. Uh, the beginning intro, of course, if you don't know, that was uh, Shook Ones Part 2 uh, by Mob Deep. Uh, the reason why we played that is because uh, uh, Prodigy, uh, one half of that group, he just died. Um, Friday, was it? Uh, yeah, earlier earlier this week? Uh, last week? No, it's it a week. No, it was like Friday or something. It was That's like recently, recently. Okay, right? so it's Friday today, so it's been a week now. Yeah, so... Rest, man, in, rest peace. in peace, man. Shit, big loss to the game. Yeah, definitely. You know? And it wasn't even like a, a death that was um, like a shooting or anything like that. And like when I first saw that, I saw Prodigy dead at age 42. I was like, oh god, please don't let it be like somebody like shot him or he got like yeah. shook in a fucking drug deal or some shit. But it was because of sickle cell, you know, it was just some natural cause. Which he, uh, he, uh, oh, I'm sorry, which. Damn, I don't know. He's had for a while. <laughs> yeah, he's had that for a while. Uh, Tupac put that I, on blast. Yeah, yeah that's the only reason why I knew that. Or that was the first how I remember yeah. knowing that. It's because it hit him up when he was like, the one of y'all motherfuckers got sickle cell or something? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, like a seizure or heart attack or whatever. Shit comes full circle. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're going to spend this podcast um, retracing our steps uh, to our uh, love of music and hip-hop you know hip-hop i think was the first uh, form of music that i personally got into I, I don't remember ever liking anything else before hip-hop um i think my first 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 memories 
are um, watching Yo MTV Raps with uh, Fab Five Freddy. And one of the first episodes I remember watching um, was um, when the NWA was um, rolling through Compton in the back of like a fucking like a truck or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, like I just remember that. Like I don't even remember any of the else in an interview. I just thought that was kind of weird. Why, <laughs> why the fuck are they like in a truck or whatever? But I just thought they they were cool because um, they didn't look like you know some flamboyant ass you know fool that you know they just look like people from the neighborhood basically you know that we that I grew up in you know just people wearing baseball hats raider hats you know starter jackets and and whatnot and air force ones and jordans and shit like it wasn't anything flashy it was just that they were just street uh, what about you man um for me it was uh listening to the chronic the original chronic by dr dre that was my very first experience i'm not even sure how i came into position possession of that album but uh it was like the first time i ever thought like um this music like really resonates with me and who I am yeah. and because uh, before that I was just basically listening to my parents music or listening to whatever was popular on the radio and then when I heard that I was like oh shit like this is like this is fucking hood this looks like my surroundings <coughs> bless you thank you uh, this looks like every everything I see in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. um, and I just loved it. it it felt gritty it felt mean it felt and it, at the same time, like, it felt loved and nurtured. And that kind of comes into, like, how I feel about Dr. Dre and how he puts a lot of love and nurture into his music, mm-hmm. which becomes a big deal later on as this conversation will take us, and we'll talk about that later. Speaking of this conversation, this is the second time we've had to record this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about this, that? Uh, so about a week ago, uh, we decided to record this exact same podcast. Uh-huh. And... Um, we recorded it into the early mornings. It was probably like 1 a.m. by the time we were done recording. And then uh, everything just went to shit. At the very end, we were very tired and mistakes were made and the entire recording was lost. I'll just own that, man. I fucking tripped over the fucking cable and it fucking jerked the cable, uh, the power cord out of the computer and nothing was saved, man. So uh, we decided to reconvene a week later and start talking about this. Yeah. But um, anyways... Uh, you said the first album for you was uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, right behind um, that and Doggy Style. But I think my favorite, or my first album that I remember, um, hip-hop-wise, uh, <laughs> was, a, was a cassette tape that I got from Pizza Hut when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and no, it wasn't anybody cool like Dr. Dre. It wasn't, you know, anything embarrassing either, like fucking crisscross or vanilla ice or anything like that and it was a ninja turtles uh, album <laughs> it was called coming out of their shells <laughs> <laughs> that's a great album name, <laughs> dude if you guys got a time like look that album up and look some songs up on that that i remember just listening to that album over and over and over <laughs> and over again until i had to buy batteries again like from side a to side b and fucking just hearing Mikey like rap and just like being in my room like two years old and just like just losing myself like Eminem and shit to that album. That was my first, first, first connection to, to hip hop and rap music, which is <laughs> kind of ridiculous, but you know, it kind of cemented. <laughs> I had a similar experience, but it was with the uh, Hulk Hogan CD. Like he had a CD with his band called the Hulk Hogan Boot Band. <laughs> What the uh, fuck? I had I'm that. a wrestling fan, and I don't Dude, even know about I this. I had that. I had that CD, and, like, it was 
pretty fucking sick. And like, but I didn't like he, the first song. He he raps like he's rapping on that, and then the rest of the album, he he plays bass according to like the the uh, liner notes. Yeah, according to like the booklet, he's he's the bass player in the band. Let me tell you something, brother. Yeah, and I it's be like slapping that bass. It's like he talks like all kinds of like first you gotta take your vitamins and like it just like goes on about shit like that. And, it's wow. terrible, but that was another early experience I had with hip hop. Yeah, I gotta listen now, right? Oh now. yeah, go Google that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stop listening to this. Go Google that. Yeah, uh, turn this shit off, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think from there though, like um, I I remember when my dad was still in the picture. Like, I just remember he would get home, and the first thing he would do is he put on MTV. Now this is back in the day, like when all MTV was was just music, and then in between you'd have like the VJs talk about the music or whatnot. And, um, I just remember seeing everything from Prince to Michael Jackson, Guns N' Roses, you know. And then the the first artist, like I said, it was N.W.A. That was, like, the first artist, hip-hop artist that I, like, actually remember, like, gravitating to and, like, actually remembering. And um, from there, um, I just kept, you know, following, you know, everything that that group did. Whether it was Easy e when he, you know, went solo, with Easy does it. Um, Ice Cube, you know, America's Most Wanted, uh, Lethal Injection, um, you know, all, everything, ev- basically everything Ice Cube's done from then till now, um, and then Dre, um, I think I've really started to fall in love with hip-hop, is when my cousin from L.A. came up uh, to spend the summer with us, and he had two tapes with him, he had The Chronic, and he had Doggy Style, and just like those, uh, that tape of the Ninja Turtles that I was, <laughs> I was listening to, <laughs> He, you know, would listen to Doggy Style, like, religiously, and I just kept hearing it through his headphones, and I was just like, man, what are you listening to? And he goes, oh, no, man, you can't, you can't listen to this, man, it's got naughty words on it. And I was like, man, motherfucker, just let me listen to this, you know? And this is like six and seven-year-olds, like, having this conversation, you know, about the chronic or whatever, and he goes, all right, man, but just, just don't tell your mom, because I know she's, she's real religious, she's not going to want you to hear this. And I was like, all right, I promise, I promise. So I would listen to that when, you know, every chance I got. When he wasn't listening to it, I was listening to it. And just the the beats, to me, that's what drew me in. Like, it was like, they were, they were so uh, magnetic, so groovy, and so addicting that, you know, I, I, I had to hear more and more and more and more and more. And it, everything else just didn't matter at all. Like, th- that was my music, and that was it. For, for me, it felt like I I was I came for the party songs like I came for uh, Gin and Juice on Doggy Style but I you know on, on uh, the Chronic I would um, nothing but a G nothing thing. but a G thing I would come for those songs like that's what drew me in those are the popular songs on the radio those are the songs with videos on them that's what I came for but you know as I listen to the album there's a there's a song in particular uh, I'm gonna say it in a censored way. <laughs> that song is called The Day the N-Words Took Over. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, to me, was the minute I fell in love with hip-hop. Because that, to me, was like the most fucking gangster thing I ever heard. Um, we basically talked about the L.A. riots. Too, like, right? yeah, dude, I felt like I felt like I was Fred Hampton. And if you don't know who Fred Hampton is, he was, Google him. Get but, on your Google machines. <laughs> get on your Google machines and Google Fred Hampton. But that's how I felt like as like a little-ass kid where I was like, fuck yeah, man, like... Like, I think there's a line where he says, like, getting together with essays to rob and mob or something like that. And I'm just like, fuck, like, Dr. Dre knows exactly what what it's like out here in California. Like, it was mm-hmm. it was mean and 
You know, I didn't grow up in, like, the best circumstances. No. We both are from the East Bakersfield, too. Yeah. Both of us grew up pretty much in the same neighborhood, too, on the East Side, which is, you know, I, real quick, um, I remember playing Hot Wheels in front of my house, <clears throat> and um, I just saw this guy walking down the street, and just for no reason, he pulls out a gun and shoots uh, this other guy that was just sitting on the corner, and just keeps on walking like nothing happened. And to me, gangster rap wasn't glamorizing violence, but rather reporting, you know, what was going on, you know, like the drugs, you know, that you would see, you know, helicopters, you know, looking, you know, like two o'clock in the morning, shining in your bedroom, you know, like it was just our reality, you know, it wasn't like the New York rap, which at the time was very flashy, very, you know, party oriented, you know, or just something that I just couldn't really connect with, you know. And like you said, man, it was just like that was that's what was going down. And I remember the LAR riots when that was happening. It was just like I was getting ready for school and my mom had the news on. And she's like, oh, my God, I just hope because L.A. and Bakersfield, I mean, if for anybody that might be listening to this that's not from Bakersfield, it's about an hour and a half drive <clears throat> north of L.A. And I just remember my mom thinking like, oh, my God, I just hope to God this doesn't happen here as she was taking me to school she was just hoping praying you know that wasn't going to happen because you know hey we lived in a neighborhood that looked just like the neighborhoods that were <laughs> burning down so exactly like um that first album you know when when i first got to that song and it was a way more political song than the rest of the, the party mm-hmm. album i was like it's strangely enough it's one of the first moments where i felt interested in politics even though it's even though it's uh probably not meant for that it's probably meant for more like empowering people that are in poverty Mm -hmm. uh and um to put a vcr in the back of your car (laughs) exactly exactly i mean it's basically like you know like yeah things are rough right now but i'm gonna get it by any means necessary Mm mm-hmm and that's basically the gist of the song. And um, we're not gonna take it anymore. Yeah, and it was like fucking, like, it it fucking felt so intense to me. And I and I and I remember at the time I remember hearing things about how like there were record stores that didn't want to carry that album because you know it was it had so much profanity. And you know this is the same. This, Dr. Dre came from N.W.A., which had the fuck the police song on it. And so there was already, like, this kind of, like, backlash of... Stigma. Yeah, like, oh, we don't really want to carry this. It's, you know, it's it's degrading towards women. It's against police. And um, for me, I was eating all that shit up. Like, I was like, this is exactly what I want to hear. It was pretty, and it was tough, and it looked just like my surroundings. Mm-hmm. And um, that's it. That's the first... That's my first memory of hip-hop. Yeah. And I think from there, like... Uh, you know, you go from the chronic and you go to doggy style, which was way more, you know, party oriented. And I mean, when you're a kid, I mean, that's all you really think of. I mean, you really, I mean, you know, the bridge <laughs> from Ninja Turtles, <laughs> the album, to, you know, doggy style was, you know, very close. I mean, to this day, I can still listen to doggy style. It's not yeah. to say this amateur album, but it was more fun. But I remember I had more fun with that album um, when I was younger. And I remember the, the song that really, like, put it over the top for me was uh what's my name oh where he turns yeah return the video where he turns into a dog i thought that was the coolest shit that was ever sick. man i don't know where i saw that i don't know if that was mtv raps or where it was but i remember seeing that like late night it was like 9 p.m at night and i saw yeah. that and i was like oh shit like 
And I would stay up all <laughs> night just to see like how many times they would play that. Wait, it, at the time, I don't think my family had MTV, but there was a channel called The Box. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we definitely had The Box, because I don't think you had to pay for that. It was just, like on, and uh-huh. that's the first time I saw that, and I was like, that's fucking sick. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and he looked like the damn dog he, he turned did. into. You just... have him as a cup holder or like a poster, <laughs> and it looks yeah. just like that. Yeah, and I was just like, "Holy crap, this is awesome!" And I would just like think, like, "Oh shit, if I can transform to any dog, what dog would I be?" You know, and then like, yeah. you know, you're like hyping it up or whatever. And then for years, like that by default was always my favorite song, just because of that video, man. And like, <laughs> okay, like. And everything had to live up to that standard. Like, if it didn't live up to that standard, then fuck you. Like, I wasn't listening to you. I kind of, like, skipped over that album, because I don't think I owned that album as a kid. Um, I didn't... Yeah, I definitely didn't own that album. I, I like it now as an adult. Like, I, uh-huh. I I listen to it all the time. But um, as a kid, I don't think I had that one. No? No. No, um, man, like, I was following that hardcore, and I never, owned, like, exactly, like, legally owned it. Like... <laughs> Like, I'd always make, like, copies of um, fucking everybody else's tapes. Because, like, yeah. I never, you know, CD player, like, that was out of the question. I don't think I had a CD player to like, about 96 or whatever. But, um, like, I'd always just make copies of it. I'd always ask kids, like, oh, does your older brother have this CD? Like, I'd always be asking, or do they have this tape or whatever? And I'd always be asking kids, like, okay, do you have it? Let me borrow that real quick. I'll give it to you the next day, I promise. I just want to yeah. make a copy of it. And I would always copy them. Like, over my mom, like, cause at this time, my mom was, like, getting really into religion and stuff, and she would record, like, priests, like, on the radio or whatever. Like, she would buy, like, like 17 tapes, like, yeah. at the grocery store, like, every week, and, like, just record, like, all these, like, sermons, and I would steal them, right? And I would record shit off the radio, like, Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Crossroads, and... Dude, that's how I was. Yeah, and, like, I would record, like, full albums, like, you know, because I had a double tape deck at that time that my grandma got me for, for Christmas one year. And, like, I would just, like, make all these copies, and that's how I would listen to all my music. Is Like, I would just get it either off the radio and just listen to it at will, or fucking, like, I would, like, still, like, dog food, doggy style, chronic. Um, I remember Lethal Injection was, like, a big one by Ice Cube. Um, Easy E's, like, 187, I'm, I'm Killer. Like, that was a huge one. And, like, I was, like, totally just G-funked out. And, like, this was the time where, like, freaking, like, it was starting to be, like, East Coast versus West Coast. Like, it wasn't explicit at that time, but it was very implied because, like I said, New York rap was very, it was either, like, almost nerdy. Yeah, it was either super politically conscious, like, let's all unite black people, or it was very, like, let's party. Yeah, and it was just, like, I wasn't feeling any of that. And I was like, you know what, I like this shit right here. Like, my allegiance is to this and to this only. And I don't know why it was like that, Like, but it was, like, pretty much like I was in a gang. And my gang was a fuck was fucking G Funk West Coast Death Row. Like like yeah. I was ride or die. Like like I got jumped in this gang and like the only way I'm gonna be out of this is when I die. Dude, I, by the way, I used to do the exact same thing except I would take t- uh, tapes that uh, my parents already owned uh-huh. and I would just put like duct tape over the little corners. <laughs> so because if you, if you don't know, uh, you can if you put duct tape over the corners, it lets you record over it. Oh wow. So. Um, I would do that, and I remember one particular thing. I recorded over my dad's Led Zeppelin tape. I was like, "Fuck this Led Zeppelin band! Like this is oh never, I'll never listen to Led Zeppelin." And so I recorded over Led Zeppelin, which is ironic. If you listen to the next episode, you'll yeah. find out why. But um, but um, but yeah. I mean, I had a very similar experience. I was listening to Bone Thugs, 
But but it was all stuff that was on the radio at this time. Like I was just like I would just get tapes and like listen to them and like Bone Thugs was big and Mac Ten was big for yeah. some reason. Backyard Boogie. Backyard Boogie and like the whole Dub C West Side Connection West thing Side Connection. was big. Like uh Ice Cube too. Uh, Ice Cube was like a big deal for me. Um and I think around this time period I decided to I don't know if my sisters were doing like this scam where like you could like buy ten CDs for a dollar. I don't oh, know. Oh, like that Columbia house. Yeah, exactly, Columbia house. My sisters were doing that, and I I was too young to understand the method, but they were doing this a lot. And I remember one of the CDs that they got was um, the Infamous by uh, Mob Deep. Mm-hmm. And um, let me think. Yeah, it must have been Mob Deep uh, around this time period, where I heard that album and I was like, fuck. And now, and I felt like such a traitor because, as Jacob was saying, you know, there was like this very West Coast, East Coast type of vibe, where like you were either West Coast or you were East Coast, and I was all about West Coast. Like, oh yeah, I, I think loved, everybody was at yeah, that time. Yeah, everyone you know? I knew was all about West Coast, mm-hmm. and like to listen to Mob Deep around this time period, it was like mm, I better not bring that up to my friends. That's like listen. That was like listening. Like that was like to like to understand like. If you told, like, your friend, like, hey, by the way, man, like, I, you know, that new Slayer is really tight, but, like, you know what CD I'm really feeling? That new Nickelback. Like, yeah. that, that was, like, the equivalent at that time. Like, if you said you like something East Coast, like, oh, the audacity. Yeah. Like, you're automatically emasculated, like, at 11 years old. I haven't even gone through puberty yet, but you're less of a man already, you know? Yeah. But, um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. America. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but that was serious, though. Um, but... I think, too, um, you know, like, that period, you know, like, uh, 94, 95, you know, to me, it was all Snoop Dogg, Dog Pound, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and, is, and then Easy e dies, and then Bone Thugs and Harmony becomes a big thing, and even though they're from Cleveland or whatever, I yeah. still consider them, like, a West Coast. Me, too. For some, I didn't even know they were from Cleveland until, like, like four years ago. So, <laughs> so they only rap about it like every two seconds, but but I mean yeah, I mean they they were associated. Weren't with they music. satanic? I thought they were like associated to like. Satanic. I guess that was that was like the rumor, but like. Oh, okay, I for some reason I thought they were like satanic or something. That's why I, I liked them, but I never got into them because I assumed they were like all like satanic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was the rumor. I remember that on the playground. Like, oh, you listen to Bone Thugs? Ooh, they're the devil. And I was like. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, they had like satanic imagery and I don't know. Yeah, they were just. It's fine now. Yeah, it's all to the good. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that 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 was that time period, and I think my next evolution was um, when California Love came out. Like that took me to the next level. Now, I mean, yeah, that is a big, you know, just party song. I mean, you, but it introduced me to Tupac, and. Like like the What's My Name video by Snoop Dogg, like that video overtook that. Was like, California Love? Yeah, the California oh, yeah, yeah. Love video. And I Definitely. still remember that. That was like, it, it debuted like uh, January 1st, 96. And I just remember like thinking like, holy crap, this is so crazy. Like this video, it's got Chris Tucker from Friday in it. It's got everything you want. It's got Dr. Dre. And it's got this rookie named Tupac, man. Like this guy's cool, man. He's like Kobe. He looks like Kobe, Kobe Bryant or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, man, I love that. Like I love this. And I remember his album, All Eyes on Me, came out um, around my birthday that year. And somehow I got that album. I don't remember if I bought it or somebody else bought it for me, but I just remember wanting it so bad. And I got it for my birthday. 
and yeah, you know, you know, Dre and Snoop, they they had like those good party songs, and you know, Mac Ten and Ice Cube, they had like good party songs and stuff. And um, but Tupac, it, it went to a whole other level. Like he he spoke from the heart. Um, he he spoke on behalf of what you were feeling. You know, um, all your frustrations. You know, you know, feelings of love, feelings of joy, feelings of you know everything, every 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 emotion possible. And it was the first artist I had like a like a connection to. You know, um, a lot of his songs dealt with you know. You know him being growing up you know in a single mother home which i could relate to at that time you know my father had left you know five years previous um so like i i, I felt i felt that was the first time i felt an artist and i remember that was all i listened to from you know february of 96 until september of 96 when he passed away and i remember the song too uh i was i was sitting um I was sitting down watching um, MTV one day, one night. I was watching Beavis and Butthead, and then all of a sudden, across the bottom of the screen, it just says, uh, "Rapper actor Tupac Shakur died uh, today." And I just remember just losing myself, man, just crying, and running to my room and putting on um, "Life Goes On" by Tupac on uh, All Eyes on Me album, and just crying my eyes out, man. It was felt like a family member died. Like it was just that devastating. Like. People, people always say like, "Where were you when John Kennedy died?" or "Where were you when 9/11 happened?" Like, I know where I was when Tupac died, you know, and that's yeah. where I was. But yeah, man, that that took hip hop to a whole other level took for me. That's fucking intense, dude. Like, honestly, like, yeah. I wish I had a story like that about uh, a hip hop story that intense. Um, but I don't. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I was a very emotional kid, so I, yeah. I, I do remember one time I was watching uh, the show Hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> and, I love that show. Yeah, too. and then it was randomly. It was oh, it was the season finale. Oh, like the 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 series finale of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Well, and this is a fun fact. If you ever like, you're ever on a uh, some kind of game show where they ask you what interrupted the season. The uh, sorry, the. Uh, series the series finale of Hanging with Mr. Cooper, it's actually the death of Princess Diana. <laughs> Sorry, but that's it. That's my Tupac moment. Anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like Tupac. I think Tupac was like a big influence on both of our lives, and um, and um, at the time for me, like, I, I thought Tupac was like this larger than life figure, even bigger than even bigger than Dr. Dre. And um, and I was like, dude, there's nothing even close to Tupac. Even though the East Coast had Biggie, like I've, even to this day, I still think Tupac is that much better than Biggie. Like yeah. they're not even like close. Like, like I just think I think Tupac is amazing. I think like as far as uh, like lyrics, like I feel like there's always gonna be this thing where you kind of have to play with fire, where it's like you you have to draw in the moth with the light. And at the same time, like keep them from burning from the fire, and and I think Tupac does that in like a really genius way, where he'll like bring you in with the, um, with the, uh, with the California love and like all those party songs, like hit him up, um, but then like once you're there, once he has you, mm-hmm. he'll all of a sudden hit you with like dear some mama. dear mama, some politically con- conscious thing, Brenda's got a baby kind of thing, you know like, 
all these things that like all of a sudden it's like oh shit like you know what he's right like yeah. I came here for the party but now I'm like learning about like socially conscious issues yeah and I fucking love that about Tupac like, and what's crazy is he died I think when he was 25 and like when I think where I was at in my life when I was 25 like I, I'm not even I wasn't even close to being what you know he was consciously even now at like almost 32 years old like I'm fucking the same in the same boat I feel like I'm not even close to where he was at and he was making some of these songs like when he was like 20 uh, 19 and things like that because for me I thought his career started with All Eyes on Me I didn't even know until he passed away he had other albums albums other yeah. than that the and Digital it, Underground yeah Digital Underground um, you know his first album Strictly for my Beep and then um, <laughs> Me Against the World which yeah. I think to me um, when you talk about that moth mouth into the flame kind of thing yeah um me against the world is that duality like like that's the his light side you know if if uh, machiavelli the seven day theory and all eyes on me you know or you know the party animal you know thug life version of tupac the light the other side of that the yang to that uh, would be me against the world which had like every single one of those you know just touching songs and i remember that was the next album i bought um, because they started like just flooding the market with all of Tupac's stuff once he passed away and I just remember you know getting that for Christmas and just listening to that and just like just <laughs> grieving over his death so and just like just listening to that album over and over and just play yes yeah you know like like I said everything he would say you know coming from a single mother home um, you know seeing you know his surroundings and um feeling like you know the people around him you know they could be doing better but you know hey they'd rather be you know you know drinking themselves to death you know and stuff like that like I, like I just felt like he spoke to me like he was my mouthpiece you know at that time I was a very quiet kid so I just felt like you know yeah everything that was inside of me that I couldn't get out like he was already saying definitely like he he definitely had this very poetic way of putting his thoughts together uh-huh. even in even during interviews like he was very poetic about things like mm-hmm. he knew exactly how to strike a chord with people yeah and like and he represented like the west coast gangster vibe that was going on uh-huh. and that's another reason why i felt like i was kind of betraying the whole west coast thing because i was very much into mob deep and um and so like and if you don't know who tupac is you probably never heard of the song hit him up and hit him up he like pretty much puts mob deep on blast yeah so like I you know I felt like shit I felt bad I felt like I was betraying my parents and so like <laughs> you don't uh, want to let Tupac down yeah I didn't want to let Tupac down but then yeah when he when he passed away that was like big for the West Coast that was just like mm-hmm. heartbreaking that was like our dude that was the guy that put like California on the map even though it was already on the map but like he was basically like Kevin Durant shooting the three over LeBron James to win, you know, the championship. Yeah. Like that's basically who, who Tupac was. He's like, yeah, Steph Curry, you know, he got you there, but KD won it all. You know, and that's how I felt like Tupac was. Like he was just like he was the he was the real MVP. You know. Yeah. Even though there was hip hop before him, and there was California hip hop before him. Even though he's not even a true California. Yeah, he was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. Even though he's not even like. You know, California still claims him. He's still probably like yeah. We've adopted him. Yeah. We've adopted him. He's the he's probably like the king of California, like yeah. to this day. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he definitely still owns California. For for people like Kendrick, who had like um to Pimp a Butterfly, like that's basically you know a, oh yeah an album you know dedicated to him. You know yeah. like uh, it, it like 
however many years later after he's passed, you know, speaks volume. You know, that's like hey, that's like that uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, John Lennon, you know, uh, tier, you know, of yeah. artists right there. You know. Yeah, and and if you've never heard that album, that album was supposed to be called "To Pimp a Caterpillar," which is two P A C, which is Tupac. Uh huh. So that's what the album was gonna be called, but then he's like, you know what? That's too straightforward. Let's call it "To Pimp a Butterfly." So. Oh wow! I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. So just in case. You didn't know that. Damn, full drop of knowledge. Yeah, shit. sorry. Full drinks, two sorry. beers, and he's a freaking scientist. And sorry, shit. by the way, I'm like down my second Sierra Nevada at the moment. <laughs> but uh, cracking so, open up, boy, bears, boy. Oh fuck yeah! I think this is this is gonna become like a trend now from now on because it's helping me flow a lot better than the last podcast. Yeah. So uh, at this point, what would you say? This is like '97 ish. End of '96. I think '96. Pretty much, this is like where death row starts to implode like snoop yeah. gets, he releases the dog father which is kind of a eh, album the dog pounds kind of like dispersed dre is left death row he's starting aftermath and i think that album uh you know kind of went belly up so the the, the west coast is kind of on, on its last legs here and i think this is like where, where puff daddy you yeah. know and biggie st- you know start to you know make you know the big moves and i think that was like another thing too that we didn't touch on. I, 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 when Tupac died, I just remember everybody in school saying, "Oh, Biggie did it. Biggie did it. Biggie did it. Biggie did it." And every, I just remember everyone just despising Biggie. And that's when that big East Coast West Coast thing uh, was going on. And I, I, you know, I I was all into it. You know, I had the West Side Connection album. I was like, "Hell yeah, bow down when you come to my town." Yeah. And that was just the general sentiment of everybody, you know, on the West Coast. And March of '97, that's when that's when Biggie died, and I was also watching Beavis and Butthead, and all of a sudden <laughs> I saw that that scroll out um, at the bottom of my TV, you know, um, Christopher Wallace dead. Um, I think March 11th was it? Yeah. Something something like that, and I just remember just like all of a sudden just growing from that, just like and just thinking, wow, he's dead now too, like, like okay like that, that now this is crazy you know like this is this is outrageous and i kind of kept that emotion to myself and i you know but but i felt like sadness to it because i secretly loved um what was that song i love it when you call me big pop but oh yeah i remember loving that song like like pop, having pop. like those thoughts like oh my god like Oh my God! I can't ever say that out loud that I like this song because I don't want to disappoint the ghost of Tupac. Like, yeah. you know, it would just be it would be blasphemy. You know, it'd be like, dude, I tried liking Biggie. Like, I try like, and I and I still to this day like there's Biggie songs that I like. Uh huh. But for the most part, like it's just like it's not Tupac, dude. No, like, yeah. Like I'm sorry, East Coast, but it's just not there. Yeah. Like, he's not even the best guy you guys have. Yeah. And I think that I mean yeah. to me to be to be perfectly honest, and I'm not diminishing dis- his legacy at all. I think you know Biggie, you know flow wise and storytelling wise, he's one of the most elite of all time. But just like that substance wise, I think that's why you know Tupac is always king out here because you know for me personally, and I know a lot of people I know, it, it's more substance over style. You know because I mean for all intents and purposes, I mean Tupac wasn't the most lyricist, greatest lyricist. But it isn't to me as a whole. You don't you don't say, oh, the the way John Lennon and Paul McCartney rhymed their words wasn't the greatest. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't consider them as great artists. No, I, it, 
that's not how you judge them. You judge them by the content of the music. Definitely. And, and I think that's why, you know, we put Tupac above Biggie. But um, to kind of continue the timeline, I, I, to me, and I think a lot of people started to feel that too, like, man, this is starting to get silly, this whole geographical divide that we have. Yeah. And people are dying, you know. And I think other other rappers were dying too, lesser rappers. But, like, these were, like, the two standout ones. You know, and it's kind of like, you know what, I got to let this go. And I think... You said uh, it's funny. You said uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper. I remember like a very, a very special episode of Steve Harvey, um, <laughs> the Steve Harvey Show, on the WB. Fucking uh, Snoop Dogg and Puff Daddy. They, I guess, called the truce <laughs> at the Steve at Steve Harvey School. Wait, Snoop Steve, Dogg and who? Steve Snoop Dogg and Puff Daddy, dude. Oh fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Steve Harvey Show. <laughs> and I remember like like that like I was like, all right, it's over. East Coast versus West Coast is over. We can we can we can all get along now. Yeah. And I was like, whoo, thank God, because I really want to record that like Big Papa song on fucking radio. Fuck. Um, this is around. Okay, so this is a time period that I've always thought like was like a dark time for hip hop. Yeah. Because the best, probably the best thing that comes out of this time period, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but to me, the best thing that comes out of this time period is Outkast. And oh, Outkast, fuck yeah. And Outkast is all Atlanta. Yeah, and all like Atlanta. You yeah, know, when you southern at time, rap. Yeah, at time you got East Coast versus West. It's like the South just comes up. Man. Yeah, and all of a sudden, Outkast just comes out and kills it. Owns the game. Oh yeah. To me, like Outkast, just changes everything. All of a sudden, it goes from East Coast, West Coast. You know, who's more gangster than the other? Outkast just throws it out the window and says, "Let me show you guys this new thing." And it's like. It's neither. Southern, and it's like, we don't give a fuck about what's going on in your coast. We just care about, like, Me and being you, cool and, like... Your mama and your cousin, too. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's like Rosa Parks and all these, like... Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's just like, we're having a good time. We're uh, socially conscious, but we're not that socially conscious. Like, we're having a good time over here. Uh-huh. And it was just, like, it was perfect. Yeah. And so, Outcast like, is the perfect group. Dude, to me, okay... We'll come back to this, but to me, Outkast is still the greatest like rap duo to do it. Oh, oh to do yeah, it, to do it. And okay? I'm seeing a lot, dude. You got yeah. Eric B. and Rakim. You got yeah. UGK. I mean, come on, man. You got a lot to choose from. And yeah, I would. No, you know what? I, I would definitely say Eric that. B. and Rakim. Well, I don't know. They got something to say about this, but uh, it'll nah. come up. It'll come up later because I'll tell you guys later why it comes up. But anyways, um, so yeah, so uh. So to me, Outkast owns the late '90s, or you know, this yeah, time period. Uh, definitely. I, eventually, like I buy another hip hop CD, and that's uh, two. I'm sorry, uh, I own uh, Puff Daddy's "Come with Me," yes, which is on the yes. uh, which is on the Godzilla soundtrack. Oh fuck yeah! And if you don't know what that song sounds like, just turn on Led Zeppelin's "Cashmere." It's that song with <laughs> with uh, Puff Daddy rapping uh-huh. over it. Yeah. And, uh, with, with fucking Godzilla like screaming in the background too. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it was genius. It was like the most like fucking. I still like that dude, song. That song is fucking fuck. sick. Actually, we should have probably played that. We'll play it at the very end. Yeah, at the end we'll get that shit. The whole fucking. I'm gonna listen to that if that song is on like Spotify or something. I'm gonna listen to that on the way home. <laughs> but um. <laughs> Turn up the bass. But that song like. I want to say it was like it rekindled my love for hip hop because at this time I was starting to fall, fall out of love with hip hop. Yeah. Besides Outkast, I didn't really have a reason to listen to hip hop. Like everything felt like too glossy. Even like even people like Nas at this point was they just weren't doing it for me. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and not to knock on Nas because I, Nas is Nas is like one of my favorite rappers, if yeah. not probably my favorite rapper. But uh, but yeah, I mean like there was just wasn't a lot going on in hip hop. Like they're still finding an identity because I mean to me you, you you lost your two figureheads. You know you lost Tupac on the West, and like I said the the West Coast just seemed like it just lost its way for a very long time after you know he he passed away, and then the East Coast found its ground again. But they, it felt like they were trying to reinvent themselves again, you know. And I, like Art said, you know, I, I gravitated towards you know that Puff Daddy song too. And I remember, <laughs> and I said this, you know, in the the Lost podcast too. But I'm gonna tell the story again. I remember when TRL first came out. This was the song that I voted for every single <laughs> fucking day. And, you know, I heard, I know the message to this day. Hey, this is Carson Daly. Uh, just press this number if you want this song. And I would always, I knew the number. Before fucking Carson Daly could finish his little pre-recorded message, I had fucking Pub Daddy come with me fucking already, like, plugged into my phone. All charges and shit. And, um, yeah, like, that was, like, me just, like, you know, letting go of, like, that East Coast, West Coast thing and just fully embracing, you know, like, the everything now. You know, um, you know, Outcast, you know. Anything that I was starting to shun, and you know, Puff Daddy at this time, you know, Biggie had passed, and this is when he really skyrocketed. And um, yeah, this is definitely the Puff Daddy era. The glossy, like, you know, everybody, eh, even eh. even like uh, Nas put out his like glossiest version of himself, like oh yeah, that hate nasty you now. Nas, Nostradamus, like it was just like yeah. everything was just like what the fuck, nasty Nas. Like a little while ago, you were just saying like we could run the world and like yeah. <laughs> like imagine. Yeah, it was just like, man, this yeah. is garbage. And and then you had the, it's funny you you brought up the South when they you know came up. It's just like at this time too, at you know the same time you had Master P and No Limit. And I oh, yeah. I really tried to embrace this because they had everything that you you loved about Death Row. Like they even wore those medallions, the No Limit thing. Yeah. And like I remember like trying to get into that, make them say uh. But it was just like I felt like it was like 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 one of those like <laughs> videos you would see like on fucking um, the WB or whatever where it was just like oh god like a really bad like old white man you know like all right we're gonna put together this uh, hip hop song for this show and it, it just felt very forced and like, I just dude I fucking hated that like I yeah. hated like the make them say ah uh, thing I thought it was whack at, at this point. Uh, I was starting to get it more into sports, yeah. so I was kind of like not that into music, and I would listen to things like that, and I was like, oh goddamn, hip hop sucks. Yeah, and it wasn't and, it wasn't the same thing anymore. Yeah, and I was like getting into more into rock music and and sports, and just didn't yeah. have time for hip hop. And uh, this is probably to me like the deadest hip hop felt to me. Yeah. And it really, I would say, you know, fast forward to maybe 1999, 2000. Oh yeah. Um, I would say a couple of things started to happen. Uh, one Eminem hit, which was like, oh fuck, that's pretty cool. And two, Dr. Dre puts out his like to me his second album, even though it's not his second album. Um, and he puts out the Crying 2001, and that kind of revitalized my love for hip hop again. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, like all right, yeah. now I can, now I like <laughs> this shit all over again. I'm like, I'm feeling it. And to me, this is kind of like. This is probably me at the most, like, in love with music. Because at this point, you know, in, in the rock world, there were a bunch of albums that were coming out that were just, like... They were just, like... To me, they were all classics. Mm-hmm. And then um, M- uh, Dr. Dre puts out The Chronic 2001. Everything, like... 
Uh-huh. It sets the world straight again. Yeah. Yeah, it felt I, like everything was, like, a little lost, like, a little, like you said, like, you know, no limit. It just seemed like it was, like, uh, the president's choice. Yeah. Uh, the cola of fucking hip-hop at that time. And Outkast puts out uh, Stankonia. Oh, yeah. And, like... Stankonia, like, is, if you've never heard of Stankonia... That's a classic. Five stars. Stop listening to this. Go listen to Stankonia. Yeah. Like, that shit is amazing. Yeah. And that, all that comes out in that time period, too, yeah. you know? And, and like you said, okay, you have Dre over here. And this is also, too, like, in Eminem, of course, and, you know, Outcast with Stankonia. Like, all these great, you know, um, albums come out. And I, I remember the, the East Coast album that, you know, tied everything into with, you know, that era for me is uh ghostface killer's supreme clientele Mm -hmm. and um oh my god like i just remember you know because this is like right when the internet started to come out and napster and all that and i just remember everyone putting um out there like oh this is one of the best albums of the year this might even be better than the chronic 2001 i'm like bullshit nothing is better than the chronic 2001 (laughs) and so i you know started to you know downloaded music you know i started you know get into uh you know Wu-Tang Clan, you know, try to, you know, do some backtracking, you know, for those years that I was hating on the East Coast, you know, down, yeah. you know, download a bunch of stuff. And then I remember, too, Blockbuster Music. That's, like, when that started to get real big, too, or that record store um, by our house. Um, I would go there all the time. Anytime I had money, you know, for my allowance, it would just be a new CD every week that I would buy. You know, I'd wash cars or whatever for, for CD money. And um, I'd buy a new CD, and I'd always try to go out of my way to buy, you know, like, uh, you know, the classics, you know, according to the internet, uh, Illmatic, which, you know, was, at that time I didn't really dig, because it was hard to get into, 36 Chambers, well, I thought it was like, alright, you know, then I got, you know, Ready to Die, which I thought was pretty good, I just kept listening to Big Papa over again and over again, but the sun, but what really started to, like, click in my mind, as far as East Coast music, was when Ghostface Killer came out with Supreme Clientele. I just thought that that album was awesome as hell. So, I think to me, like, you know, this time period kind of brought me back. But I was definitely still more into the rock world, and it wasn't until Nas put out Stillmatic um, that I was like, oh fuck, like, you know, like East Coast rap. To to me, it almost felt like I was so blinded. Like East Coast rap is so good. Yeah. But Stillmatic came out. And then I think Jay-Z had just put out the Blueprint, Blueprint. 3, or the, the first Blueprint? Blueprint 1, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, oh my god, like, how, how, how have I been, like, I, I've just been, like, skipping over Jay-Z the, all these years. Uh-huh. And, like, Jay-Z was awesome. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, Method Man, for some reason I've been skipping over Method Man, like his solo stuff, which I really, really like. The cow. The cow, yeah. Um... I think uh, Judgment Day had just come out, mm-hmm. and uh, Judgment Day was like one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, so there were all these like East Coasters that I was just like skipping over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, all of a sudden I was just like flooded with like East Coast rappers, but definitely Nas around this time period, and like, um, Il, uh, sorry, Stillmatic, and then I think Godson came out a couple of years later, like 2003. Yeah. And like that to me that was just like back to back home runs. Yeah. It was just like. Like, and I think too, when I said about Supreme Clientele, uh, when Nas dropped Stillmatic, like I was still kind of like I didn't really like Jay Z at that time, and I was all jumping on the board like, all right, I hate Jay Z too, so I'm gonna jump on the Nas bandwagon, even though like at that time I wasn't really feeling Elmatic, even though like everybody and their mom was telling me like, well, this is like probably one of the best albums, hip hop wise ever. 
Um, I was like, all right, I'm jumping on the Nas bandwagon or whatever because he's he's kind of cool. And so um, I like the the song he did with Lauren Hill. That's why. That's why. <laughs> like that 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 was my only reason why. But when you get when he puts out Stillmatic, like this was the first like or the second you know East Coast album that I was like really thoroughly getting into, and that forced me to um, re-examine you know those albums that you know I mentioned previously like you know Illmatic. Uh, 36 Chambers, Ready to Die, and, you know, start to ingest them in a different way, and I actually started to like, freaking love those albums, Yeah. You know? Like, I, I, like, all, everything that I missed, like, I got, you know, it was just like a light went off, and, and I, I, I had, like, a lot of making up to do. <laughs> and, and not to backtrack a little bit, but, um, you mentioned Lauren Hill, and, it, and you also mentioned the, uh, what was it, those things where you, like, a dollar for like 10 CDs or something with it. Oh, yeah. Um, um, the Columbia House. Columbia House. The other one of those CDs that my sisters got was um, uh, Wyclef Young, Wyclef Jong, which is a member of the Fugees. Oh, yeah. So, like, he surprisingly, he was like another one of those dudes that, like, um, that was like a big, like, hip hop person to me. Like, I put him in, in like the same category as like Biggie or something. Like, most people's Biggie, to me, it's Wyclef Young. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because, like, to me, if you've never heard the Carnival, it's another, it's amazing. And it's like, um, uh, yeah, like, that's another one of those dudes that kind of kept hip hop alive to me just because, like, kept it afloat. Yeah, yeah, he kept it afloat along with, uh, along with, uh, uh, outcast, but yeah, I don't know. Just uh, just letting you guys know, the Fugees are pretty good. <laughs> I never really got into the Fugees, to be honest with you. Dude, like, I, I like the Fugees, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I respected them, and but as one of those bands, like to this day, I tried to like, but I just haven't gotten into. But okay, to be fair, I have two older sisters, so I was always exposed to music that was like ahead of my times. So like, that's why like the Fugees were, if the Fugees were popular. And like even like Lauren Hill's solo stuff, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, like that was another one of those that like they were li- my sisters were listening to that, so like I was listening to that. Mm. So like that's why I got into that stuff. Yeah. And then um, I think we were like ninety nine, two thousand ish or whatever. Yeah. Uh, to further backtrack, um, when Dre drops two thousand one, that really resurrected the West Coast for a time period. And it, it takes it from... Because at this time, all the West Coast artists are re, trying to redo, you know, their first album again. You know, DJ Quick's kind of, you know, doing his own thing. He's not even, a, like, to me, a West Coast rapper at this point. You know, but, like, you know, Daz and Corrupt, they're recreating dog food over and over again. You know, everything just becomes repetitive and just silly. But then Dre comes out and just reestablishes everything. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, you had Warren G put out, a, you know, a great album, I Want It All. Um, you had, you know, Snoop come back to reality. He spent time in No Limit. and Oh, God, I hated that era. You know, with the last meal, you know, he started <laughs> to finally make West Coast music again, you know, meaningful West Coast music again. And then, um, you know, it just felt like the West Coast got resurrected. And I remember he brought along this, this guy named Exhibit. And he to me was supposed to be the next Tupac because he had it all and I remember you know during this time like I would just revisit all these albums that you know I slept on like at the speed of life 40 days and 40 nights by exhibit and I just remember being blown away by that and I was like holy crap this guy was this good pound for pound probably the best rapper that no one was listening to at these time periods 
and now he's got Dr. Dre in his corner, oh my god, he is the next Tupac. And I just remember going on rap message boards and just posting about that, being the biggest champion for Exhibit ever. And, you know, you, you know Restless, when that album came out, like, that was a really big album. But, like, to me, it kind of, like, didn't meet my expectations. But it was still, to me, it was, like, a solid um, snapshot for myself of what I was into at that time, um, that Restless album. Uh, I was not an Exhibit fan. <laughs> um, but you really got to check out his first two albums. You'd probably, I think you'd really love his I'll first check two it, albums. I'll check them out now that you mention yeah. it. Because I kind of slept on Exhibit. And uh, my, my, you know, I think there was the, uh, like, Throw Up the X or something like that. I don't remember what it was. but X. like Yeah. There were a couple, like, Exhibit songs, like his popular songs that I knew. But I wasn't, like, that, like, big up yeah. on him. Um at this point, I was, like, all about Nas because I had rediscovered Nas and, like, Illmatic and Godson. Like, I, I thought Godson is, like, one of the greatest little gems. If you've never heard of it, go listen to it. And, um, um, so this is probably, like, 2003-ish. 2002, 2003. 2003-ish. Yeah, and, um, this is around the time period I started listening to a little more Jay-Z, um, and again, like all of a sudden, hip hop just starts kind of fading to me because there, I, I feel like there's not a lot going on t- for me. I don't know about you, but for me, all of a sudden, like, mm-hmm. not a lot starts happening. All of a sudden, like Eminem is kind of sounding like a lot of other stuff. Like Eminem kind of stopped being himself almost around the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like around after Curtain Call, like his first three albums, he was, he was he that was him, and then after the Curtain Call, that's when I think it started to change for him. Yeah, like he was from '99 to about like 2004. I feel like he was like on it. Yeah, he was on his top of his game. Cause I feel like I followed his whole like career, it, you know, and I always like I'll always buy all of the CDs or whatever. Cause I mean, pound for pound, he's probably one of the best lyricists of all time. Yeah, definitely. If not the best, you know, like but. Um, I, to me, I really didn't connect with him until about that album, Curtain Call, and when 8 Mile came out, where, yeah. you know, Lose Yourself came out. Because it was always just kind of, like, just fun rap that, you know, like, oh, okay, he's got credibility because he's a good lyricist, but no, it, nothing really, like, connected with me, you know, until he, you know, had the albums, like, uh, uh, what was it, the Marshall Mathers LP or whatever? Yeah. Um, where Stan came out, and I was like, oh, shit, like, no one's doing stuff like this. Yeah, no, like, I love that. Yeah, love that, that, was, that was an amazing time period, and to this day, like, if I'm ever, if I if I ever become a UFC fighter, my, my walkout song will probably be Lose Yourself. <laughs> yeah, those are intense songs. Yeah. Um, I think, I wait, uh, Outkast put out The Love Below and Speaker Box. Yeah. Around 2004, I want to say. And but depending on, like, this is kind of like a, the Paul McCartney, John Lennon kind of question, like, or like the, like in Pulp Fiction, like, are you a Beatles guy or are you an Elvis guy kind yeah. of thing? Like, I always ask people this, like, which which CD did you feel more? Was it The Love Below or Speaker Box? Oh, uh, for me, it's hands down Speaker Box. Oh, man, no, I was all about The Love Below. Dude, I was hands down Speaker Box. Uh, t- dude, like, honestly, like, I can listen to every song on speaker box. Wow. I have to fast forward so many songs on the love below. No offense to um, Andre. Andre three thousand, but I there's like so many songs I have to fast forward. Dude, on and that. I'm the exact like everything you just say like is exact opposite. Like speaker box, <laughs> like I, I 
I have to fast forward through a lot of stuff, but like the love below, like I was all about every song of that. Dude, I could not listen to it. It, it felt, it felt a little too polished for me. And <laughs> and I get what he's going, like what he's trying to do there, uh-huh. and he's trying to be like experimental with things, and I get it. But to me, like Big Boy just kind of hit it. Like it was like the hip hop I needed at the uh-huh. time period. I think that's like the magic. What I'm getting to, like the magic of Outkast, is just like. Yeah, these two different guys. They couldn't yeah. be any more too different. But when they get together, like that chemistry makes something amazing, and it it brings everyone kind of together on it. Like yeah. he's more of a speaker box person, I'm more of a love below kind of person. But together, you know, when they come out with something together, which since then they haven't really put anything yeah, out. Yeah, they really haven't. That's no. kind of their last album. Sadly. Yeah, which is well, yes. they, they put out. Like, Some soundtrack. Yeah, Lovewood. Or, I am. I have no idea. Feel free to correct it. Yeah, I don't know uh, either. Just go ahead and send me a message and some hate mail. But uh, I can't remember. Something wood. The word wood is in there. Yeah. I just remember wood. I don't know. I just remember like it got bad reviews and I just like ah. Oh, yeah, I was. Too many of my heroes it. have fallen already. I don't need another yeah. one. Not to sleep on it. Jay Z around this time period puts out the Black Album, and the Black Album is like fucking sick of course that's 99 problems and dirt off your shoulders and, th- and things like that like it's fucking amazing i almost forgot about that album but yeah this is kind of like my little like rebirth thing where i'm like oh i, I like hip-hop like this is kind of cool um and then i go completely underground because at this point i feel like hip-hop from like 2005 uh-huh. i feel like hip-hop is like just everyone turns their backs on me Everything is like so glossy and so crappy. It's like that Jaw Rule era where everything's like everyone's in love. Yeah, everyone's thug, got, every thug needs a lady. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone's got a fucking like fucking wife and I fucking hated this time. Shanti's like on everything and Fat Joe's like Yeah, everything everything is super glossy. Everything is about having money, everything's about like bullshit. No one's talking about anything deep. Yeah. This is a time period where like Tupac is rolling over in his grave I yeah. feel like uh, and then I find this guy named Immoral Technique and Immoral Technique is like fucking gritty as fuck it's politically conscious it's he's he refuses to sign to a major label uh, and I love it and that's kind of where I stay for a couple of years in this like underground hip hop thing um, for a couple of years from like 2005 to like I want to say like almost 2010 for almost five years I don't even fuck with hip hop. I don't know about you. Dude, like I was in the same boat. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't. Um, I, I just quit. Like I felt like an old ass man. Like you know, I was like, fuck. Like, like that episode of The Simpsons. Like where like um, Homer's listening to like you know his like '60s music, and then like his dad comes up. He goes, I used to be cool, but yeah. then when cool changed, I wasn't cool anymore, <laughs> and it'll happen to you. And, like, Homer's like, no way, dude. Like, that'll never happen to me. Yeah. And then, like, you know, he fast-forwards to the present time, and he's all old, and he can't understand anything, like, that Lisa and Bart are listening to. Like, I felt like that was my moment right there. Where it was like, man, I it, like, hip-hop-wise, like, everything was just passing me by. Like, I felt like I was just, my nose was, into, was in the air to everything that was coming out. You know, cash money had come and gone, and it came again with Lil Wayne, and, like, everybody was just going banana shit for Lil Wayne. And I was like, I just never got it. I hated it I, I don't understand it like he wasn't that great of a lyricist like there wasn't any appeal he wasn't funny dude I thought Lil Wayne was fucking trash yeah and like every whore like that was like in love with him I was like what the fuck yeah. he looks like a mop like what the fuck like, I fucking uh, so I dated this girl and I'll leave her name out of this I, <laughs> I dated this girl 
And she was always trying to get me into Little Wayne, and I was like, what the fuck? This is the biggest bullshit thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, so, like, it really, like, solidified 2005 to 2010. The only thing I was re-listening to was fucking, like, not, if, if it didn't come out before this, I was not listening to it. And then the only, like, new artist I was listening to was Immortal Technique because everything was fucking trash. Yeah. And I didn't even have that artist, to be honest with you. Like, to me, like, I just heavily... Like, if I was listening to, like, hip-hop or rap or anything like that, like, it was definitely something that I already had an affinity to, like Dre or Snoop Mm -hmm. or Tupac or whatever, or, or, you know, something that, you know, classic-wise that I was just discovering, you know, for the first time or, or, you know, revisiting, you know... um, but like nothing new, like nothing new was catching my eye at all. Definitely. And I don't think anything did for a very long time. Like there were songs here and there, like catchy songs that would come out, like "Teach Me How to Duck," "Teach Me, Teach Me How to Duck." Yeah, and I was, I, dude, I was just about to mention that song in particular. Yeah. Okay, that song, the "Teach Me How to Duggy song, like it fucking. I, I don't want to say it revitalized my love for hip hop because it didn't. But it, it, made, re- it made you lighten up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it made me really like, okay, you know what? I'm going to fucking dance. Like, at the end of the day, like, I still like to see girls shake their asses. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that song did, made that shit happen. So, like, I was all about that. Yeah. And this is about the same time I became a DJ, too. And I remember, like, I was like, oh, shit. And it wasn't even by, like, choice, really. Like, I had just got my, like, first grown-up job. And this guy... We, we had, like, a walk-to-the-park kind of thing where, like, uh, this older man, like, he was probably, like, in his 40s or 50s or whatever. Like, he had, like, a side hustle where he DJed or whatever. And he was trying to get, like, all these people at the park to start, you know, like, dancing and stuff. And, like, he was playing, like, all these, like, old, like, Gloria Estefan songs <laughs> and shit. Like, and, like, everyone was just looking at him like, ah, damn, like, what the fuck? But he had, like, this sick setup, though. And I was like, uh, hey, man, like, you probably want to put this on, you know, this looks like the more appropriate age group, you know, and I, you know, I put, like, um, Outcast Hey Ya on, and then, yeah, as soon as, soon as shit pie, like, fucking everyone started dancing or whatever, and he asked me, he's like, hey, man, you're pretty good at this, man, and you should, you should you help me out, and I would go to, like, these weddings, and I would go to, you know, these events or whatever, he would DJ, and he would always start it out, and like it would just bomb terribly. And I would, and I would just take over. I'd be like, "Look, man, you know this is what, this is what these people, this people want to hear. You know, like whether it was like those jaw rolls, like everything was late, it's murder. Like I, I could just spot it. Like I was like, oh, okay, this bitch wants to hear some Lil Wayne. Okay, throw that shit on. And like, I, by default, like I had to like know this stuff. And then like, pretty soon, like I started to take over you know and like he would just set everything up and like i would just play and i remember i'd play uh whole christmas parties like four or five hour sets by myself and like i would just like have my friends you know come and block people off for me and be like hey just just take down notes of like hey if they come up to you just like tell them what they want tell like write down what they want to hear and then like i'll play it or whatever and like, i would pull it off my ipod like i'd pull it up off the internet real quick put it on the you know the laptop or whatever run it through you know the system and, like, I was just doing, like, you know, rediscovering, like, all this stuff. Because, you know, like, I was, like, a freaking encyclopedia of, like, everything from, like, 88 to 2003. But anything in between 2003 and this is about, like, 2009, 2010, like, I was yeah. kind of clueless of, you know. Like, unless it was, like, some huge hit or whatever, like, Little Wayne or something like that. I didn't really know. But then I would get these people, like, oh, play this, play that, play this. And, like, songs like that, Waka Flocka Flame, um... 
Galloway, you move huh, it. I honestly, Got me dude, in like, a trance. Dude, I was not listening to that But, shit. like, it, like, it was dumb and redundant. But, like, yeah. I was just, like, like you said, like, it was just, like, okay, like, yeah, like, it's just... It's just good time music. It, yeah. it serves its purpose or whatever. And like, I, I, I was I start I was starting to become okay with it. Doesn't mean I was running out to the store and buying it, but yeah. like I was more like okay, I guess this is what's going on now. Yeah, uh, I, I I think at this at this time period I started to like a lot of like this party hip hop stuff. Kind of like jokingly started to yeah. like it and like um, oh fuck, there were like all these songs that were coming out like that ass ass. Who's that guy? I can't even think of his name. I don't even remember. Like, Big Sean. Big Sean. Yeah, like, Big Sean and things like that. I was just like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, at this point, who gives a fuck? Like, let's just party. Like, that's all I was, <laughs> that's all I was about. Like, I was like, let's just put some stupid shit on. And, like, people will party. And, like, uh, if there's alcohol in the mix, then it's definitely going to be fun. And so, like, that's kind of was that was my mentality at the time. Um, and I felt like that for a while. I think, um... Until I probably started to listen to, like, Odd Feature stuff, where I kind of started to change my vibe about, like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, there's, like, young kids out there making good music. Yeah. And, um, for me, it was, like, Earl Sweatshirt. Earl, Earl Sweatshirt was, like, the young kid that was, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. I started to see, like, free Earl shirts and all, and people, somebody compared the, that Earl Sweatshirt album to, um to Nas and I was like oh shit are you telling me he's that good and Uh I was like he's fucking he's a joke and I listened to it and I was like yeah no Earl Sweatshirt is like as good as Nas as good as advertised and all of a sudden I was like okay maybe I should start listening to like good hip hop artists again and Uh you know like that kind of led that kind of opened the floodgate to like alright who's better than this dude and then um, it's almost like a challenge yeah I kind of felt like well who's better than this guy like let's let me see what you got Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went on this, like... Because the bar rant. was, like, really low at this point. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I feel like the bar was pretty low. And that guy, like, raised the bar way higher. For a young dude, I think at this point, like, Earl Sweatshirt is, like, 17 years old or something, like, ridiculously young. Uh-huh. And, um, and he's still kind of, like, the little baby brother to Tyler, the creator. Like, Tyler, the creator is still kind of the man in that crew, even though he's not as good. Um, but Earl Sweatshirt's kind of the man. And all of a sudden, I'm, like, looking, like, yo, who, who do you guys have that's better than this? Yeah. All of a sudden, oh, I don't know what you were going to say, but I was going to say, all of a sudden, people started going, have you checked out Kendrick Lamar? Yep, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> like, do you know who Kendrick Lamar is? And I was I like... I think me, me, and our, me, me and James, we were working at Target um, at this point. Yeah. And um, I, I, me and my friend James, we were like, hey, dude, you need to check out Kendrick Lamar's album. And, like, I remember um, telling this to Art. Um, and I remember, like driving home one day hearing a song on the radio and i was like wow i really fucking like this song and it was the um smoking weed with you it was like whatever it was like some song with dr dre i don't even remember the name of it but i was like man that's a good ass song who ha- who sings that and i remember the next time it came on the radio I, you know i put on a soundcloud or whatever and i was like kendrick lamar featuring oh shit dr dre and I was just like, oh, fuck, I got I got to see what this is all about. Because if Dre has something to do with it, it <laughs> fuck it, of course it's going to be good, right? Yeah. And so I just remember, like, you know, trying to figure out everything I could about this kid. And just, like, he had an album called Section 80. And I remember, like, when we when I would drive to drive with you to work, I would always be saying, man, I just checked out this new album. It's called Section 80. You got to check it out, man. You got to check it out. And like, there's a song on there at the end called High Power, man. 
fucking amazing, dude. You got. And I just remember kind of just kind of like shrug it off, like, oh, okay, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, man, like you, like I'm like, there's a lot of shit that like I told you to get into, like the Dougie or whatever. But like, no, this is serious, man. Like the other shit is fucking like Independence Day, but this is fucking Goodfellas right here, bro. This, okay, he's totally right about that. So at this time period, I was like, man, I don't know. Like I know every like good hip hop artist right now. And it's definitely all about Earl. Like, to me, it was like, dude, Earl's out there. Fucking. And I knew about Chance the Rapper a way long time before anyone else knew about Chance the Rapper. Because Chance the Rapper was coming to fucking LA to fucking, like, hustle his music on the boardwalk. Yeah. And so, like, I knew about that dude. And so I was like, I don't know, man. You gotta check out the other dudes. And then all of a sudden, as soon as fucking, um. What's his second album called? Blanking out. Uh, Good Kid, Mad City. Good Kid, Mad City came out. I was like, "Fuck!" Like I was like, "I gotta call Jacob right now and apologize." <laughs> like this is fucking amazing. Like yeah. Good Kid, Mad City is one of the one of the first hip hop albums I bought on vinyl because it was that good. I yeah. was like, "Fuck!" This needs to be in there right next to like my Doors collection, next to my Deftones collection, next to my Tool collection because it was that good. And it was just like I had to put it in there. He's it was amazing that album is like like 10 out of 10 to me and like oh yeah and like and even though i compared nas to like i'm sorry errol sweatshirt to nas and like that was amazing like this guy is like the next tupac to me i was like fuck this is yeah tu- this is tupac reborn right now and I was but he's like, his own thing though yeah and he's he's not like the jaw rules or whatever that's just like okay i'm gonna adopt you know his look and image and like hope the class no like it was this is a whole new thing like if uh you know if uh, you know, ah, shit, I can't even fucking get it out. Yeah. I was trying to make a sports analogy and I Definitely. couldn't. Definitely, <laughs> but <laughs> no, but like it's like the evolution of quarterbacks. You know, you had Johnny Unitas or whatever, whatever. That's like your LL Cool J's, and then you had like your Joe Montana's. You know, that could easily be you know like Ice Cube or somebody like that. And then you have you know your Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's. I feel like right now, like, we're in the, the era of, you know, the Dak Prescott, David Carrs, you know, we're like, you know, this is the next group that's yeah. going to lead the league, you know, and that's how I feel Kendrick is. He is the leader, you know, to borrow Buster Rhymes' old group, he is the leader of the new school, and, you know, he has everything right there. He talks to you in his raps, you know, he's not just free associating rapping, you know, it's just, it, it, where it's just, you know rhyming random words together you know those words actually mean something you know where black lives matter adopted one of his songs as their freaking you know you know marching song yeah and it's just like his his stuff means something and he can switch between you know he's not just one thing you can't pigeonhole him he's not just that you know political rapper he also has you know his love songs you know he also has his party songs you know he has everything under the sun and he nails it you know he's that complete nba player who can shoot the three who can win the dunk contest uh, he can do it all you know dude okay so that, that to me that's exactly like that moth to the flame thing like he draws you in because he has that bad blood song with like Taylor Swift or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah. it draws in like the high school kid. Like I don't yeah. I don't really want to think about this shit right now. Like kind of thing where it's just like yeah you know easy accessible music. Um, and he draws in people with that. But the minute you start listening to things like Good Kid, Mad City, and like those tracks that are in the middle of the album where it's uh-huh. just like oh fuck or like everything's gonna be all right or like the black or the berry things like that where it's just like fuck dude like mortal man um 
things like that that are just like grittier and all of a sudden you have to think about it a little more but you know you only came here for the taylor swift shit but now you're here for a, but uh-huh. now you're stuck here because you're like fuck this is amazing and now i have to think about this and it's very similar to how tupac did it you know he's his own man though i don't want to like compare yeah. him too much it's to like tupac. it's like comparing comparing jordan to stephen curry i would say right right now yeah it's, or quiet lettered or something yeah oh another like comparison is like you know like there was a time period whenever the Spurs won the championship and Kawhi Leonard got the, like the MVP and and that and uh, Kendrick Lamar had good kid in Mad City. I was like, oh, and Richard Sherman won like the MVP for like the Seahawks. I was like, goddamn, all those dudes from Compton, like <laughs> Compton's on the fucking map. Yeah. So I just want to say, 2014 was like the fucking most Compton year of the oh, yeah. decade. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like that brings us to kind of today's hip hop and like you know the dudes that are out there. And I would say like you know what I recognize j cole's new album the for your eyes only like that album is fucking beautiful and it reminds me a lot of like something tupac would have done like in his early years where it's like yeah it's fucking gritty and it's very gangster at the same time it's like you know he's there's substance to it there's substance like there's that love there's like a love for a daughter and, and you know he's combining like yeah i'm a gangster but at the same time you have to realize like i'm selling drugs to feed my daughter yeah kind of thing and it's very beautiful it's like you know, like, it's kind of, like, it brings a lot of, like, optimism for me to, like, where hip-hop can go. Because now there's, like, these, you know, even though I would say Kendrick is still the face of hip-hop at the moment, like, it's kind of like a 1-8 with J. Cole right behind him. Even though, like, I feel like J. Cole doesn't do that whole thing where, like, I'm going to do a song with Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Like, he refuses to do that and, like, refuses to get a, refuses to get a Facebook page <laughs> where, like, he just won't commit to that whole, like, uh the celebrity status who won't even do music videos but um which is cool i dig that but at the same time like like he has to realize that he is kind of like like the modern day nods like he has yeah. to take that torch when like this and kendrick is kind of like the modern day tupac yeah and you know you know you need those guys you need those guys to like show the young guys like hey even though you're young you can't just do like that stupid ass like mumble rap where you just talk about pandas uh, <laughs> Yeah, and to me, like one thing I've always said, like when I talk about music, is music is a is uh, it should never be something that is disposable. Where it's like McDonald's, like you eat it, you know, on a special day or occasion, or or you should actually, you shouldn't make it an everyday meal or anything. But um, it, it's not, it's not something that should just be like, oh, that was cool ten years ago, and it's not cool anymore. No, it should be like a beautiful piece of art, like a Mona Lisa um, or a Leonardo da vinci painting any anywhere you know it's something you can appreciate you know 100 years from now it should be you know that's to me what you know this music that's coming out now that's you know this is the stuff that's going to hold up for you know the rest of time um and also too another thing i like to say is you know you have your artists and you have your entertainers in that genre as well because i mean as much as we just put over you know kendrick and j cole right now I mean, Snoop Dogg, to me, is still, like, one of the best hip-hop artists of all time. Yeah. And it's not, like, it's not because he did anything other than, you know, rap about, you know, vices. <laughs> you know, yeah. smoking weed, you know, having fun. But he's just, like, that fun guy. You know, he's like George Clinton. You know, he's, he's that <laughs> Parliament Funkadelic kind of guy. He's just that good, good time dude, you know. And you have to respect that. You have to love that, you know. And he's definitely an entertainer, you know. If you eat... 
you're not going to depend on him to release, you know, something as deep as, you know, the pimple butterfly or whatever. And that's not what you want, you know. You don't he, want that out of Snoop. No, he, he's going to be Ray Allen. He's going to hit yeah. that three from the corner, you know. Ooh, you know? that hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> but, you know, like, he's, you know, that's his role, you know. And to me, I, I you know, I love the guy for that, you know. And, um. Yeah, you do have your artists like you know, Kendrick Lamar's and whatnot, your Nas's and stuff like that. But sometimes you do you do need you know, you know some of these. <laughs> said okay, to 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 be completely honest with you, I made kind of like a three or a one eighty on Snoop Dogg. So like for a while, I was like, fuck Snoop Dogg. Like he he's turned into like he did that song with like the Pussycat Dolls. Oh yeah. Where he was just like fucking like I I thought he was like, dude, I'm fucking done with this guy. Like. He's excommunicated for me from like the hip hop world, and uh, me and him, like we, me and Jacob, kind of like kind of went back and forth about this. And he was like, "Nah, he's more of an entertainer now. Like you kind of have to see him in a different light now." And I was like, "Nah, fuck that." Like <laughs> I was very like one sided about it, and um, I started to come come like you know like kind of come full circle. And like uh, once he did his Snoop Lion album, and I saw I actually watched his documentary about the Snoop Lion album, and I was like, oh, okay, you know what, like, okay, like, he has mouths to feed now, like, he's an adult, and, like, I get that, like, I, I, uh, I definitely love his old music, and that'll always be there for me, but he's doing something new now, and, like, and I gotta, you gotta respect it, too, because, you know, you could be that, um, artist, like, I'm gonna make, like, a heavy metal reference, like, you can be Slayer, who puts out the same fucking album every year you know it's always gonna be fucking it's always gonna sound like rain and blood it's not gonna be as good as rain and blood but it's gonna sound just like rain and blood it's just recycled over and over and over and over again and he doesn't do that you know what i'm saying he can try to you know recreate doggy style over and over again but he comes out with something new you know every time he comes out you know he's kind of like the hip-hop version of madonna you yeah. know and madonna's i mean to me i look at madonna like she's not you know, she's not deep like a John Lennon or anything like that, or even like a Kurt Cobain, but I mean, she's an icon, you know? And she always puts out good pop music, and that's what I think Snoop is, you know? He's, yeah. he's that good quality hip-hop music, you know, if I if I could come up with it, you know? And he represents uh, a whole community region of, of, uh, of the world. And to me, that's Southern California. When I look at Snoop, I, I don't just see a rapper or entertainer. I see someone that, like, I would be probably friends with in real life. Somebody that, like, I would hang out with, you know? He, he does seem like a chill-ass dude. When I saw that documentary and he was just, like, smoking weed all the time, I was like, I, I could fucking chill with this dude right now. Yeah, like, talk about football and stuff yeah. like that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and he's a big sports dude. Me and Jacob are big sports dudes, like... Yeah, I get it. I get where he's coming from. Yeah, so, I get it now. So I like that guy, you know, and it's like Ice yeah. Cube too. He went from being super radical, you know, you know, dumb white cave bitch, you know, to like now you you know, puts out family movies and stuff, you know, and he like same thing. He represents, you know, like that that Southern California like you know hip hop guy, you know, which yeah. you know like we all kind of model our lives after, you know, like he you know diversifies himself. He's he's got his fingers in everything. And, you know, you gotta respect that, you know. Just because he's not making America's most wanted every time out, you know, doesn't mean, you know Doesn't mean he's not making America great again. No. 
I vote for fucking Ice Cube as president. I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take a lot of people over our current president. Yeah, but not to bring <laughs> it back to episode one. But anyways, man. Uh, I'll say this. Let's. Go. I just want to close it out with, what do you think the future of hip hop is? Wow, that's a, that's a hard one because I remember back in the day I I said that the future of hip hop would be when uh, like electronic music, like rave music and stuff, started to uh, mix with hip hop, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Um, I, I feel like hip hop is it's gonna be like fashion you know like if you when you go to the mall you're like oh shit i remember that from like the 80s and 90s or whatever like you see that i feel i feel like what was old is gonna be new again like because i feel like they've pretty much visited every corner that they could and the only thing to do is just kind of revisit what was old and make it new again kind of thing and that's that's what i see happening in the next generation of rappers not like the current ones like you know your kendricks and stuff but I feel like the next generation is gonna, you know, put their own twist on something old again, and um, go from there with that. Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, I don't know. I kind of agree with you. Um, I hope that the next generation of like hip hop artists uh, are more influenced by darker things that are going on right now, you know, on the internet and like the uh, police brutality things, which feel like that's kind of what dr dre was influenced by and that's mm-hmm. what kind of took him off the shelves and like made you know white parents in middle america afraid of him and uh-huh. i feel like no one's afraid of hip-hop right now like i want people to be afraid of hip-hop again i want yeah. people to i want i want that because i feel like um i feel like that's kind of like that forces evolution whenever there's like that that genuine, yeah, genuine uh, emotion. Yeah, which f- fear is a genuine emotion. I think the only thing that I feel like is out there, and I'm a huge Death Grips fan. And uh, if you don't know who Death Grips is, go Google that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like to me, when I listen to Death Grips, it feels like I'm listening to NWA for the first time, because mm-hmm. it feels fucking terrifying. Like he's like talking about police brutality. He's talking about like, you know, like like living on minimum wage and growing up on like growing up on the internet and like being exposed to like violent shit and it's just like hmm that is a little more extreme than anything that's going on with um designer or drake or some shit like that you know like drake's not talking about that drake's not talking about like paranoid delusions and things like that like um to me that's where it needs to go it needs to become more extreme as like as Mm. as uh as me and this guy get older, you know, like, it'll be a point where it'll be too extreme, probably, for both of us, you know, like, you know, like... <laughs> and I, that'd be a good thing, I think. Yeah, I, I think at, at some point, when me and this guy become sick of it, and, like, we have children, and we're like, mm, I don't want you listening to that, and our, our <laughs> kids flip us off and go, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about, then I'll know hip-hop is, like, in a good place. Yeah. Because uh, that's definitely where it needs to be. It always needs to, like, you know, shed the old skin and keep going you know like the way a snake does because it can't stay stagnant and i hope it doesn't stay stagnant and i hope it kind of like evolves and outgrows me so yeah. that's kind of where i'm so what would you say like if you gunned ahead like what would you say your uh, top five artists are from the hip-hop that's a deep that's a huge thing you don't even have to put them in order but just top five okay so uh, definitely Nas is up there just hip-hop artists in general yeah yeah. you can add groups to that too okay so Nas, dr dre's in there uh alcaz is in there 
Uh, Tupac's in there. Fuck, I'm already at number four, and I I feel like I have like 20 more. <laughs> um, and um, Vanilla Ice number five. <laughs> um, I mean that first album was pretty catchy. Right? No, let me think. I like his old stuff. <laughs> uh, let me think. Fuck, I kind of want to put like Kendrick in there just because he's like mm-hmm. holding his own, but um. Uh, I'll put Rakim in there. Okay. Damn, we didn't even touch on that. Yeah. But um, hmm, for me, I mean, definitely uh, when I think of, like, the influence, I got to put the whole NWA uh, family tree um, in there um, as my number one because everything, for me, begins and ends with them. I mean, even all the way up until today, you know, with Kendrick and whatnot, like, it all begins and ends with, uh, you know, that, you know, and, you know, Easy E had you know Bone Thugs and Harmony. Ice Cube is splintered off to so many different things, um, with you know Mac Ten and Dub C, West Side Connection, and all of his movies and stuff. Dre forever, you know his proteges and whatnot. Um, but you know I'll put all of the N.W.A. at number one. Um, Tupac definitely um, is in there. Um, I'll put Snoop Dogg as his own thing because I feel like. <clears throat> He's just like one of those lifestyle people, you know. If if girl, if to me, if like if girls can sit there and watch like the Kardashians all day or whatever, like I got I got Snoop Dogg to watch him cook like <laughs> dishes with Martha Stewart with, like, like that's a good Sunday to me. And and then I would definitely say uh, I would say Nas um, because I feel like to me like that's my what my East Coast hero on them. And then I would say Outcast for sure. Um, you know, to round out the top five on that. So yeah, that's a solid top five, dude. Um, I think we're kind of in agreement with uh, Nas and Dr. Dre, East Coast West Coast guys from like the mid '90s, early '90s. Those are big for us. What about albums? What would you say uh, your five albums that you would say? Dude, that's even tougher. Um, <laughs> Okay, so definitely The Chronic, because that's probably the first hip-hop album that got me. Um, Then I'd probably put Infamous, Mob Deep, um, Godson, Nas. Oof, goddamn. uh, I'm working, let me see. Um, Jay-Z? Jay-Z? Um... Jay-Z is kind of tough because I have a couple of Jay-Z albums that I want to think about, like uh, the Black Album and the Blueprint 3. I'll go ahead and put the Blueprint 3 because the Blueprint 3 got me over a tough breakup. <laughs> so, so, like, I'll put that one in there. Um, and then... Damn. Um, I'll put... You know what? I'll put... Um, Immortal, Technique, Immortal Technique, The Revolutionary Volume 2. Just because, like, I feel like he's the one dude that carried hip-hop from 2005 to two, two, 2010. Um, and, like, it really kept me in love with, like, hip-hop as an art form. And when everything around him was bullshit, the moral technique kind of carried that towards. So, revolutionary volume two. And for me, yeah, it's going to start uh, with, uh, with the chronic, number one for sure. Uh, number two, Doggy Style. I mean, that's a perfect album as far as I'm concerned. Number three, 
uh, All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Uh, and then number four, I'd put Me Against the World by Tupac. Um, and then number five, I would definitely say, ooh, it's a three-way tie, I would have to say, between AT Aliens, Quemini, uh, and Stankonia. Dude, okay. <laughs> I feel bad. Because but... all three of those are on the same playing field, I feel like. You can't listen to one without the other. You Especially, know? for me, AT Aliens and Stankonia are like peanut butter and jelly. Like, yeah. To me, that's hip hop, like southern hip hop. You don't need anything else. You don't need fucking Birdman. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Like, that's all you need. That's southern hip hop. You're done. Oh wait, real quick. Uh, earlier, I was talking about uh, hip hop duos. I used to work with this dude who was like all super hip hopped out, and he was telling me that he thought Run the Jewels was the best hip hop group ever, even better than. Uh, um, even better than Outkast, and I was like, dude, you're fucking crazy. So I just want to give that guy a shout out. He knows who he is if he ever listens to this. So <laughs> we need he's, to give our, he's we, crazy. We need to give this uh, fucking podcast more attention. Man. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'll promote it better this time. Yeah. You know what? There was like some lady from like Mississippi that was listening to this. Like, really? Yeah, I was like, I was like viewing people that listened to the first episode because there were only like ten, and I did no promotion for this at all. And I was like, how the fuck did you find this? Like. And then she liked it, like she gave it like a five star review or some shit. Fuck. And I was like, God damn! Like I was like, How did you find this? this Here guy, we go with the sponsors. I shared this with like Jacob, who is recording this, and then like our friend Monica, and that's it. That was like three people I shared <laughs> it with. It's like Dude. everyone else, all the other like nine people that heard it. I was like, Who the fuck are you guys? We're going to get that big sponsor money soon. I know, now. dude. Fucking, I'm, I'm gonna trying be... to get In-N-Out Burger to sponsor us. Dude, we're going to have that Me Undies money. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> or some Bomba socks or whatever. Um, <laughs> anyways, guys. Um, shit. Um, Tell your friends about this podcast. And help us name this goddamn podcast, yeah, too. Yeah, help us name it. And... Because I feel like I'm ripping on Joe Rogan, the, the wow, Joe yeah, Rogan man. experience, like, hardcore with our name right now. But. Get involved in this shit, because right now it's like, although I do need to do a better job promoting this, like, it's basically me and Jacob and, like, three other people on Facebook and MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on MySpace. It is about MySpace. We're sponsored by In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> and me undies. We're also sponsored by Rogaine for Men. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, everybody, we'll see you on part two, The Rock Years. Later, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
they are hard on for this one.